Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. For the St. Louis Cardinals, today was supposed to feature the second game in a series with Detroit. But that series was postponed earlier this week. The Cardinals reported 13 positive tests for COVID-19, seven players and six additional members of the organization. And those tests threw the team and Major League Baseball as a whole into a period of chaos. The only silver lining of this development might be that if the Cardinals were playing today, St. Louis Post-Dispatch lead beat writer Derek Gould would surely have been too busy to join us. And instead, he is here with us today, and we are grateful for that. So, Derek Gould, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think they would have had, what, a doubleheader today? So, yeah, it would have been a little busy in Detroit. Would have been busy. Instead, you're idle. Um, and I shouldn't, I don't mean that in the bad sense. You've been idled. Um, <laughs> so, the team announced yesterday that they plan to be back on the field Friday. Is that something we can take to the bank at this point? So, they've left Milwaukee. They, they are en route to Bush Stadium right now, actually, um, best I can tell. They, they were cleared last night after going through. The, the players and staff members that remained in Milwaukee had to go through consecutive days of negative tests. They got word last night that they had done that. They left as scheduled uh, this morning on their on their charter flight from Milwaukee, um, and they have a workout set for um, about an hour from now, 90 minutes from now at Bush Stadium. So they'll be on the field then. They'll be on the field tomorrow working out. And the expectation is, you know, barring, as with everything, barring any any thing that changes, they'll be playing the Cubs on Friday. Um, they feel that they have got a handle on the outbreak. Um, they've certainly gone through enough testing to know who is negative and to feel that they have it. Uh, you know, the people who are positive identified and moved out and isolated and placed on the injured list and they can move forward with their season. So these 13 people who did end up testing positive for COVID-19, do we know where they got it, how this all began? So the Cardinals and Major League Baseball, um, as part of the contact tracing, do try to find, um, if not an origin place, an origin time for the uh, outbreak because they have so many tests that they do. The, the players were tested every other day, mm-hmm. um, and now they've been tested every day. So they feel like they can get a handle on the time frame, and they trace it back to just before the team left uh, for their road trip. So. You're talking about in the weekend, the days leading up to their Monday flight to Minneapolis. And at this point, they were supposed to be observing certain rules and protocols. Is, is that correct? Correct, yes. So they have, so the rules in, like, say, in St. Louis that are outlined by the operations manual um, are different than on the road. Once they're on the road, the, the rules get rather stricter as far as, Mm. um, you know, they're told not to go to restaurants, not even to eat at the hotel restaurant. If it's gathered people, get food, take out. Don't don't be in large clusters of groups. Don't be indoors with with groups. Um, You know, they're they're free and clear to go outside. They're free and clear to get, um, you know, permission to do a bunch of different things. They're not locked in their hotel rooms when they're on the road. Um, at home, there's more standards in play set by the teams. Um, they, you know, talk about being at the ballpark or be at home and mm-hmm. try not to do much else beyond that. But the rules are spelled out a little bit more succinctly when they're on the road. The Cardinals have not yet been on the road. That's what their their feel is um, when when this kind of took place. 
Um, and it may, you know, they, they said that the one thing they think they could have avoided was by putting an infected person on the plane with them, the charter flight. Mm. But they, they didn't know at the time. They had all the tests, you know, you know how this goes, right? It doesn't manifest immediately. Right. So they didn't have the, the test to know they were in trouble. So there have been a lot of allegations and rumors and people claiming that Cardinals maybe went to a casino or something else Mm -hmm. like that. Has anything of that nature been verified? Well, that's a great question because there are people who have, you know, rumors are very easy to spark on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, We can we can all belch out something and it carries a lot of weight, especially if it comes from some people. What is lacking is the details um, a former player put on Twitter that he had heard that the Cardinals had gone to a casino. Well, some had, and they had put it on social media, except for what they had actually done was go to Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, ah, which means something different. That, here is, that is not an indoor casino. <laughs> Correct. So, But if you hear that and you're in L.A., for example, you might think differently. Correct? Mm-hmm. So. Um, players had shared on social media back on July 12th, I believe it was. Um, they went to the Nelly concert there, which was a drive-in concert, and they shared photos of them on, you know, on top of their cars or wearing masks um, at a distance. So it's not clear if that's, again, to the report, is that what you're referencing? Because reporters owe it to their readers to be clear. Where are you saying this? Um, are you saying that they went to a casino in Milwaukee? Because that makes zero sense because mm-hmm. the positive tests were before they got to Milwaukee. So they, so what inference can you take from there? All of that is, is, is kind of the point that we have to get at is it's very easy to guess. It's very, everybody's very eager to blame. Um, but from my perspective, from the post paper, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch perspective, if I'm going to report something, I have to provide details. I can't just put a tweet that gets a lot of retweets and likes. Sure. And that's why we're having you on. So I appreciate you cutting through the noise on that. Um, For these 13 people, do we know if anyone in that group is seriously ill at this point? We we do know that there were eight of the 13, um, no breakdown player staff, but eight of the 13 that had symptoms as of yesterday two had had the symptoms pass, hmm. so six, and their symptoms for the remaining six were coughs, uh, sniffles, low-grade fever, and headaches, persisting headaches. So they were not described by the Cardinals and the Cardinals medical staff as serious symptoms, but they were symptoms in play. Okay, so that's got to be at least a, a small relief in this whole mess. Um, going to Friday's game, which is on at this point, do they have enough players at this point to field a good team? They do. Um, they're in a lot different spot than, say, the the Marlins, right? The Marlins had a significant outbreak where more than half of their roster had to be turned over. The Cardinals, it's still seven, um, seven players of uh 30-man roster. That roster shrinks to 28 by rule tomorrow, so it's a a full fourth of the roster has to be um, adjusted. Hmm. They have some young players coming up from their alternate site camp in Springfield um, that are joining the team today. These players, two of them, um, Alex Reyes and Yenesis Cabrera, were expected to be in the majors to start the season, um, but had their summer camps delayed, so that tells you the level of talent they expect from them is they already planned on those two being part of the team at some point um, and thought they'd be their opening day. So they have depth to pull from, but they're, they're tested. I mean, they have in the past 10 days lost two of their five starters um, for different reasons. And mm-hmm. so you're talking about 40% of their starting rotation that has to be addressed. Pitching depth is their strength. 
um, but they have exercised and maybe exhausted it already. So, Derek Gould, bigger picture question. When you joined us Mm -hmm. just before the season opener, you told us something that I thought was pretty memorable, and you said that a successful Major League Baseball season would be, quote, a remarkable feat of human cooperation. Now that the Cardinals have kind of gone through the gauntlet with this, they've, they've really been tested. Are you feeling more or less hopeful about the chances of pulling it off? I, yeah, I mean, I think I'm... That's a great question. More or less hopeful, because right, that you're asking me like, what's my faith in humanity? Sort of. That's like a basically, yeah. Point. I mean, this gets yeah. to the big issue yeah. here, Derek. Okay. <laughs> How do you so, answer? <laughs> so let's go to graduate school philosophy, and let me grab my starter. Um, no, I, uh, you know, I, I'll say this. So, so I traveled. Um, you know, I drove. Um, so I was there in Milwaukee. I was in my hotel room in Milwaukee. Uh, you know away from them, not in the same hotel. Um, that was all by purpose because mm-hmm. if they were going to have a problem, I was going to avoid it. That was smart. Um, but I think that, I think you get the reality that it's not just, so um, it's a great question that you ask. And long, long ago, I covered the speedboat race off the coast of Florida hmm. and the boat that won, and I have a point to this, I promise. The boat that won was called Zero Defect. And the reason why I was called Zero Defect is the guy told me it's because they're traveling such a high rate of speed on choppy waters that if one bolt is loose and comes undone, it would puncture the hull, hull mm-hmm. and the whole thing would sink. And so I think do, going on the road and reading as much as I can and talking to the Cardinals and seeing what they've gone through, but also just seeing the cities, Minneapolis, Milwaukee. I mean, it's been so long since I've been out of St. Louis. Yeah. But seeing all this, I think it, it dawned on me that it's not just cooperation, it's zero defect cooperation. Mm. It's, it's the, the one seam that the virus finds, and all of a sudden you have to rebuild your bubble, and you cannot outrun the virus. You might be able to slow its spread. You might be able to halt um, its spread at a later time, but you cannot stop it. And if it finds a seam, it's going to get in there and proliferate. And it's not real clear how, you know, I mean, what, what is it? Is it the walk to the ballpark that does it? Is, mm-hmm. it, the, is it the coffee shop um, where you have to wait just a little bit too long for your latte? Um, you know, they talk about it being a saturation situation, right? How much time you spend exposed to it is how likely it is that you'll get it. And because of that, it sure seems like you have to not just talk about bubbles and and talk about all these protocols and everything like that. You have to have a zero defect ziplock around the team. And that is hard to process how they would do that. Yeah, that is such a sobering thought that, that you're leaving us with here today. But but Derek, I do want to thank you for that digression into human nature and philosophy, because that was that's a really interesting answer, and it, it unfortunately feels true to me. So Derek Gould, thank you so much for joining us today. Always my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And Derek, again, is the lead baseball beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You can catch his coverage at stltoday.com, and hopefully he'll be able to report on a game on Friday. Um, We're going to take a quick break here, but next up, we'll talk to the Cardinals scoreboard director about his really fascinating new role with the team. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. Welcome back. 
If the Cardinals do manage to take the field at Bush Stadium Friday, Tony Simakaitis will be ready. He is the club's scoreboard director, and that job comes with an unusual wrinkle in this unusual season. He's creating a crowd-like soundtrack for a near-empty stadium and for viewers at home. Ground ball. One. DeYoung to first. Cardinals take game one of the 2020 season and they end it with a 4 And the announcers in that audio clip are real. The fireworks are real. But that crowd noise, it's fake. It's cold from past baseball games. And it's Tony Simakaitis' job to mix the right noises with the on-field action. And he joins us today to talk about this fascinating new role. So, Tony, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. So you have such an interesting job. When did you find out that playing these crowd sounds would be a part of what you had to do for the team? Well, you know, obviously, uh, as we were going through the break, a lot of different concepts and ideas were tossed about in terms of what a baseball game would look like and sort of how it would feel and would there be fans, would there not be fans. And, you know, and through that process, um, a lot of conversations. And really, I would say maybe – you know, at the very end of June, first part of July, uh, there was sort of a um, a united front from from a lot of different teams saying we think we need uh, crowd sounds. You know, mm-hmm. there were some examples from uh, some soccer league and some different activities that actually had some crowd noise um, injected into the broadcast, and uh, everyone sort of thought that's a that's probably a a good direction to look into. So did you have to try out to be the guy who does it, or does this fall under duties as assigned? Yeah, really just duties as assigned, you know, and, and part of what we're dealing with, just like everyone else, is, is trying to figure out a uh, a manageable workforce during these times. And so right. you know, there's a few of us that are, uh, we're, we're operating with a crew that's, that's in less in capacity than we normally would, um, but we're doing less during the game, obviously with, with you know, short of, Forty to 50,000 fans per game, there's a, a little bit less to do during the games. Uh, you know, no ball shoots, no cap dances. Uh, so we, you know, we were able to assume a few other positions and, and roles and, and help out where we could. And so it sounds like you were happy to take this on. I understand that the uh, Major League Baseball has a catalog of these sounds. They come from past games. Are, are those games specific to the Cardinals where this audio comes from? Well, really what baseball did, I think, collectively was, was a pretty good idea. Um, what they wanted to do was implement a system across all 30 teams, sort of give all 30 teams a baseline of, uh, of crowd noise to use. And so there was a little bit of, uh, when you went from one stadium to the next, it, at least there was, you know, a normal sound that you heard from ballpark to ballpark. And the advantage baseball had was over the last, gosh, I want to say four or five, maybe even longer years, uh, they have been working with Sony in production for their, uh, uh, MLB, the show, video game. Mm-hmm. And Sony did a really nice job of coming into the ballparks and trying to replicate every element of every ballpark. They collect a lot of crowd sounds, you know, visuals, obviously, sort of uh, reaction uh, elements. And um, I, baseball really looked towards Sony to provide some of that stuff back to them that mm-hmm. they could share with all the clubs. And so it's really been nice, you know, from uh, really from concept to implementation. I think they've done a nice job in sort of offering a platform to all 30 teams that has enough variety that allows us to simulate a game. And, and those sounds are taken directly from previously played games. Now, you must really have to pay attention to these games. What, what's the biggest challenge there? Is it just, you know, your brain almost just wants to shut down at some point? 
<laughs> well, yeah, uh, and and for a normal game, I usually sort of bounce around quite a bit from place to place and, and do different things. And so sitting and watching every pitch and sort of having to react to every moment in the game, yeah, it's been a little tricky for me. Um, but, you know, that's that's part of the flow, and that's 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 one of the things that you realize once you start doing this that, you know, there are a lot of sights and sounds that go into every moment of every baseball game. And so having to sort of be ready and reactive to each one of those, um, you, you got to concentrate. Let's listen to another moment from a game. And this was a, a July 25th against the Pirates. Here's what happened when Matt Carpenter was at the plate. In a lefty-lefty matchup. And Carpenter drives it out to deep right. It's at the wall, and it's off the base of the wall. Two runs will score. Carpenter's first hit of the season drives in two more, and the Cardinals have busted it wide open. It's now a 7-1 St. Louis lead. So, so, Tony, walk us through that. Did you try to increase the excitement there? You know, right as the runner crossed the, the plate, you had to add in some additional audio there? Or was that all part of one clip? How does that work? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so, you know, we're learning as we, as we go. And uh, one of the things that we've sort of found that was successful for us early on was uh, there's a baseline of crowd noise, which is sort of, you know, think about a stadium as people start to come in, you've got this crowd murmur and, and there's different levels of intensity, you know, I mean, imagine a, you know, a stadium quarter of the way filled, halfway filled and then all the way filled. And you sort of use that as your baseline. And then we have different clips that, uh, that have a different level of reaction. And so what we found to be successful, at least early on is just layering clips over clips. And so we consistently have a baseline of, of crowd noise, which is sort of a crowd murmur, you know, just normal conversation, sort of chatter throughout the ballpark. And then as plays happen, we just intensify and sort of layer the different level, uh, the different files over the files and just increase the intensity as the play goes on. And so, um, yeah, it's really worked out nice. And it really does simulate how a crowd reacts during a baseball game, especially for Again, fly balls, that was a perfect example. It was a fly ball to the gap that you didn't know if it was going to be caught. And once it's down, the crowd gets louder. The run scores more, you know, there's more crowd reaction. So um, we found that sort of layering files over files is, is the best way to uh, to sort of mimic that crowd noise. Hmm. Now, I saw an interview with one of your counterparts in Philadelphia who said that Major League Baseball has discouraged you from using boos. It seems like if anyone should be allowed to boo, it's the Philly fans. But <laughs> is that so? Like Major League Baseball doesn't want any ugliness coming out of this faux sound? Well, I don't know if they discourage it because that was a lot of the conversation. And um, I think the fear is when you implement something across 30 teams, you know, one team could use it different than another team. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think they were concerned about how all teams were going to use a boo. And that's fair, right? Right, right. I mean, to your point, the Phillies probably boo more than Cardinal fans. Um, But I think what we've heard, at least recently on some calls, is uh, more of a willingness to allow more booing because it is part of the game. And it, I think there's an expectation there. You know, I, I think if uh, Chris Bryant would come to St. Louis this weekend, he'd expect booze and he'd be okay with booze, right? Or if Yachty would go to Cincinnati, you know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's just part of the baseball atmosphere and culture when you go to some of these places. And so that was some of the response back to baseball was saying, this is part of the game. And it's not sort of a negative that Chris Bryant gets booed here. It's just part of what happens, right? And so um, – I think you may hear a little bit more of it, and I think there's a willingness of, of baseball to go there. Um, so in time we'll for the see. Cubs, we can have some booing? Yeah, 
I don't know. We'll, we'll see about that. You know, we're we're just not a group that that boos an awful lot here. Maybe the Chris Bryant is, is probably the best example, but uh, um, we may for Friday. Hmm. So we heard on Facebook from one of our listeners, Carlos, who said the fake chants don't satisfy, but it makes it a lot easier to watch. There's something numbingly awkward about playing a sports event where all you hear is the sound of the game and the players yelling. I appreciate the filler sound in the Premier League, and I appreciate it in Major League Baseball. Overall, are you getting uh, more more positive feedback or more people groaning over the, the fakeness? No, we've had a lot of positive feedback. Um, and, you know, I think everybody went into it sort of not knowing what the reaction would be. And I think everyone has been pleasantly surprised. It does fill the awkward void of, of nothingness, you know. Um, that's critical in life and in baseball. Yeah. I said that's critical in life and in baseball. So that's, that's great. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so it does, it does, and, you know, we've had examples on both sides where we've been ahead and where we've been behind. And I think, it, it helps both, right? I mean, a game would be a little bit slower if there was no crowd sounds, right? And, and sort of it helps pick up the pace when they are, you know, sort of you're going through some bigger moments. So I think it's worked in both cases. And um, and and baseball has said to us, too, listen, if you find other ways to try and enhance what, what we've already sent you, feel free to do it. I mean, the goal here is to try and sort of make the experience as best we can for the television audience, while at the same time keeping in mind you have, you know, 40, 50 guys down the field that you have to <laughs> worry about, too, and try and motivate. So um, I, I think, you know, it's been good to start, and I think it'll get better as it goes on. Well, it's it's, it's exciting to watch, and I really hope that we'll be able to see you um, at the job on Friday and see as, as you continue to implement these new things. Well, hopefully that game will happen and, and you can get back at it. So Agreed. Thank you. Well, Tony Simakaitis, uh, scoreboard director for the St. Louis Cardinals, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air are available at stlpublicradio.org. Or you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcast app, or wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.